But basically, a lot of people kind of like monkey see, monkey too, or they prematurely disqualify themselves, or they just commit before exploring alternatives. And there's one thing I learned a lot in design, which is like always kind of like fan out before narrowing it in how we think. Welcome to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom, a podcast where we provide insights, tips, and inspiration for college students and young professionals so they can make a really successful transition from college life to the professional world and beyond. My name is Andy Malinsky, and I'm your host. I'm also a professor of organizational behavior and international management at Brandeis University's International Business School, where we record and produce this podcast. Okay, so our guest today is Norman Tran. After a two-year tour of duty in Silicon Valley as a product uh, designer, Norman realized that the real bugs weren't in software, but they were in people. Uh, interesting. And since then, he shifted from designing screens to designing learning experiences. Um, he's currently the head of design at Tradecraft, where he helps smart people going through professional inflection points figure out what's next uh, while avoiding avoidable failures. Uh, before that, Norman created emotional intelligence trainings at Mission U, a tuition free college alternative that helps underrepresented adults get roles at companies like Spotify, SurveyMonkey, Accenture. He has facilitated Stanford Graduate School of Business's flagship course on emotional intelligence. He's helped Facebook bring accessible vocational skills to millions of professionals around the world through online micro courses. Um, Lots of really interesting uh, professional experiences. And apparently, Norman also is a junior jazz pianist, a passable poet, and as he says, absolutely an alliteration addict. So with that, um, Norman, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I'm so glad to be here, Andy. So so tell us a bit about, I gave a flavor for what you do now, but but tell us, tell if you were describing what you do now to someone who really doesn't know much about it, um, how would you describe it? So I like to think in metaphors. And right now, a metaphor that I really enjoy is that of someone who leads an escape room. So I don't know if um, you or any of your audience members might have been through an escape room, but you're basically in this like room and for two hours, you have to solve puzzles and find clues and figure out how to get out of that room to win. That's kind of like the challenge. And for me, what I do at Tradecraft is basically it's a three-month program helping career transitioners figure out what's a good next step for them. But I've designed it in a way that it's not like going to a vending machine and pressing buttons to get information. It's a challenging environment that helps you discover what are your patterns for how you show up in the professional world and how might that be helpful or not helpful for you so that you can rise to the challenge. And when you leave the place, you just do a really awesome job in the professional settings you're in. Now, specifically, so, I... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask, like, who... Can you just get, paint a picture of someone who might be one of your clients, someone you might work with? Yeah, so a lot of the individuals that come through Tradecraft are usually several years out of their first few jobs. And they've just realized that 
there's probably some kind of inkling in them that's longing for something more fulfilling, more creative, or just more exciting. And so my focus is actually helping people become product designers, which is my original um, career path. And so a lot of people come in and I train them to become product designers. Cool. Um, wow. So that, that's interesting. And, and for those of us who aren't super familiar with what a product designer is, I mean, I have a rough idea, but tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So think of the apps that you have on your phone, like Facebook, Messenger, or Lyft, or maybe Gmail. So product designers are the people who create those apps. They're the people who are thinking, what should a person click now? And then now, and then now, what kind of information do they need to do certain things on the screens? And how should it look and feel? So really product design is kind of like all the underground stuff that happens to bringing these apps on your phone to life. Cool. So, 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 so where did you, let's, let's rewind. And I want to he- sort of hear about your own path. It's interesting. So you help people make career transitions and I'd love to hear about your own career and I imagine some career transitions you've experienced. Where, where'd you go to college? What did you major in? Let's start there. Yeah. Oh boy. I've had so many career transitions myself. So I went to college at UC Irvine and I studied business information management, which is this hybrid business and computer science degree. <clears throat> when I was there, I was basically trying to follow the footsteps of my parents, both of which who studied computer science. But I realized like for me, I appreciated that kind of like computational thinking. But my real interest was always in like creativity and working with people. And so after actually uh, dabbling in a lot of different internships, like in consulting and advertising, I realized that like, oh, these actually aren't for me. And I need to figure out what uh, I actually enjoy. And it wasn't until I happened upon something called Startup Weekend, which is like a create a startup in uh, 36 hours challenge that I realized like, wow, this is really fun brings me a lot of adrenaline to be thinking like, how do we create things from scratch? And so through several other experiences after that, I realized that I wanted to be a product designer. I wanted to be creating things. And so I won this competition in college uh, to build a like business plan and product demo. And like any naive college student, I was like, oh, we won, so let's definitely make this a startup. <laughs> and so that was my first failed startup. And that was a really humbling but really fun experience that actually confirmed for me that I do enjoy this work. And so the, the big turning point for me was after college, I've dabbled in a few things, but I wasn't ready to be a product designer. I didn't have like a portfolio. I didn't have like a large body of work to get into the industry. And so I actually joined Tradecraft as the very, very first cohort. Uh, And so I taught myself as much as I could in design throughout my entire life, but I needed someone to show me like the ropes, someone to help me avoid those avoidable failures and level up so I could get to the next level. And so I went through that and that's how I became a product designer. So, so let's, let's rewind and it's an interesting path. And I want to ask a couple of follow-up questions. The first is in college itself, it sounds like you were the way that you 
discovered this passion for product design, if correct me if I'm wrong, but was not in a class per se, but was in sort of an extracurricular opportunity that that um that startup weekend. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. And what drew you to that? Like how did you you know, because I think if you think about it, college in some ways is almost like a buffet. It's like, you know, there's, yeah, there's, there's, all, there's all sorts of options that you can pick and choose from. And you, at some point, just happen to pick and choose that. What, what, what brought you there? Was it random? You know, was it purposeful? Did someone suggest it? Mm. So I think I was extremely lucky when I was in college to find some just really incredible people who saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. And they were the individuals who suggested me to try more things. They basically were like, Norman, you're playing it really safe. I see you wanting to do what everyone else is doing, which is like go into consulting. And I don't think that's right for you. And I, you know, stubbornly said, no, <laughs> I did it anyway. And then realized like, okay, you're right. And so when I was in that path of finding what's next, one of them, um, he has always just been like the really like insightful sees beyond kind of like where everyone else is. He's kind of like that fish who sees water when everyone else is like, wait, what's water? Right. So he sees like the invisible and he told me like, there's something else you should be trying. And he talked to me about startup weekend because he was organizing one at UCI. And so I attended it and it was just magical from there. And was this a, is this a, a friend or a, or a professor or? So he's uh, one of my best friends, younger than me, but he's he's just out there <laughs> in the in the way he sees the world. It's just incredible, interesting. And so 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 that's that's cool. That's an interesting story. So so you left college and you 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 had that naive idea that oh this startup you know won the comp- won the competition or did really well this must be what I should pursue and it will be successful in the real world. And then you said, you know, it, it didn't work out as expected. Tell us about it. What was the startup? What was the topic? Why? What, what's your story about it? Yeah. So we were aspiring to create an app called Group Munch, which would help you and your friends figure out where to eat in a minute or less because we realized that so often when we're in groups, we're standing around like, what do you want to eat? Well, I don't know. Um, do you like Asian? Well, I don't know. Like, do other gluten-free options? And it's just this annoying process where we just want to like hang out and eat together quickly. Um, and so we wanted to solve that. And that seemed like a really fun challenge to do just because it was a problem relevant to me and my friends. But the biggest reason why it didn't work out is because, surprise, startups have to make money. And at that time, that app idea, we couldn't find a feasible way to actually make money. It was just a cool idea. And it was not so painful of a problem that people would throw money at it. So the biggest lesson for me is like build things that actually solve real problems that people have. You can build apps for fun, for sure. But if you're trying to make a business out of it, like I was, be really clear about how you're going to make money. Otherwise, it's not going to work out. Interesting. So, so you pursued it because of your intrinsic interest and you realize, hmm, there's got to be some sort of like extrinsic benefit, some you know, financial benefit for it to be sustainable. Yeah. 
That's actually how I would think about like career paths, right? Like we can have an intrinsic interest, which we might label as passions, but until the Venn diagram intersects with what the world needs and is willing to pay for, it's pretty hard for us to find something as a job. (laughs) It's a good point. That's really interesting way of thinking about it. So then after, after this startup, tell us again, where did you pivot from there and how long did you actually do that for? Yeah. So after that, it was about a few months as I was trying to figure out my next steps. And then this was the um, January of 2014 when I moved to San Francisco from Orange County and went through the first program of Tradecraft, was in that for three months. And then several months after that, I got my first job working at a startup as a product designer. I was at a company called Declara, which is kind of like Pinterest, but for articles. So kind of like helping teams collect articles and information. And my God, that was the whole like Silicon Valley show compressed into one year as like lived experience. <laughs> so it, there was like, I came in thinking I was going to build one thing. And then two months later, we're completely changing courses. I had to design an entire like mobile app in two days. There was a premature expansion across the world. Uh, yeah, we had like $30 million in funding, but we didn't have a product that yet made money. Um, it was kind of like a parabola. It went from zero to 100 people and back to 10, now to zero. <laughs> um, <laughs> how, how, long did it, how long did it last? So eventually, as in like, I think this year, the company got acquired bless their heart. But while I was there, I was there for about a year and a half. And even though the experience was quite, you know, shattering and shocking in some ways, it was also one of the most beautiful experiences because like a lot of the team members are one of the just most amazing people. I learned so much from them and I grew so much um, in that time. So yes, it was a challenging experience, but also like took away a lot of like beautiful learnings and relationships. So you... You help people uh, sort of navigate their careers. Tell us about some of your philosophies. You know, you you just told me about the Venn diagram before you kind of rattled that off. I imagine you're a um, you've got a, a lot of wisdom about this. So so so, what's your perspective on careers and young people and what it takes to be successful and what success even means? So, very big questions. I think the one thing that I would have the listeners focus most on is knowing thyself or uh, the famous quote of like, you must live an examined life. And so a lot of the times it's very easy to do what everyone else is doing when we ourselves don't know what we want. And there's a lot of peer pressure. There's a lot of inertia in staying in that. And so for me, what has helped me kind of like carve my own unique path that you won't like see in normal job descriptions is because I kept figuring out what I liked. And I am like, I'm basically like addicted to (laughs) self-learning. And so I'm always trying to read more, always taking like self-assessments. So for example, like Clifton Strengths Finder or Enneagram, things like that. Anything to help me know my patterns better. Anything to help me understand 
how I operate, what cadence works for me. Am I a person who like loves um, operating and building from someone else's stuff? Or am I someone who likes creating and visioning um, or both? Right. And so for me, the, the, the greatest thing I've given to myself is a compass basically. And the compass came from self discovery came from sitting with these hard questions like what does success mean to me what makes me feel alive and i know like some of these questions feel a little airy and a little like not practical but something that a person can try which may feel a little morbid is to actually contemplate your mortality so in 2014 as i was becoming a product designer i got really sick And that kind of made me think like, oh my God, what if I die? And in that process, I thought a lot about like, what do I care about? What's the impact I want to leave behind? And that's in in that process of wrestling with these questions. And after Declara, I realized I actually want to be in education. I actually want to teach people. I don't care about like scaling products to like reaching 10 million people. I just want to like impact one life at a time. And I wouldn't have gone through that um, insight if I didn't sit with these hard questions of like, if I were to disappear, what is the legacy I wish to leave behind? And so asking ourselves these kind of questions is probably like the key to discovering what an authentic version of success looks like. That's interesting. So, so in college, you had this feeling, this instinct that you really like designing products. Mm. And then after college, you kind of followed your nose to to sort of work on designing products. But then only a little bit later, when you had this scare, when you started to focus on yourself and examine your previously perhaps less than examined life or however you want to put it, mm-hmm. you were able to kind of orient with a compass where you wanted to direct that passion. Is that a fair way of characterizing it? Yeah. And uh, actually even more... Uh, powerful analogy would be like think of it as like if you're driving a car you have a dashboard right and the dashboard will tell you when you need gas it'll tell you when you need to change your oil but some of us at least for me at the time it's kind of like driving around with a clogged dashboard or at least like it's covered in like mist and so i can't really see it clearly so if i think back right now the compass has always been there. I just wasn't looking at it. And so if I actually reflect back, I always knew I wanted to be like facilitating experiences for people. Back when I was a sophomore in college, when I was in like student orgs, I was the person who would try to get like all the board members together and do retreat and like do like, let's learn about our strengths and weaknesses and talk about that and like really try to connect and then do some like vision exercises. Like all that stuff is now called like learning and development. I just didn't know that it was a field. Mm. And so like my compass was already pointing there even as early as like me being a sophomore in college. I just didn't know it was a thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that's hard if you think about it for, it's a good exercise for people who are in college or even after college to kind of simply reflect on what aspects of school or work do they gravitate towards? Do they really like? And then, I mean, the leap is trying to understand 
how that translates, I guess, into something professional. And in your case, it, it, there's a real strong link, it seems like, but that you didn't initially see it. Yeah, exactly. I think it's because like, I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. It's an unknown unknown. And sometimes we need people in our lives who challenge us to say, I think you're standing just right before like the tip of the mountain where you can see everything else. Right. And just ascending that and then seeing that there's a whole different world out there unbeknownst to us before. Hmm. Interesting. So from where you sit, what misconceptions do you think college students have about when entering entering the workplace? So I think there's two uh, or even three main ones. Uh, One is not having a structured, methodical approach to figuring out what's next, right? So I spoke to this a little bit earlier, but basically a lot of people kind of like monkey see, monkey do, or they prematurely disqualify themselves, or they just commit before exploring alternatives. And there's one thing I learned a lot in design which is like always kind of fan out before narrowing it in how we think. And so that's something I've been really taking into heart when thinking about careers, which is until we really see what's out there, how could we really know what we're moving towards is best for us? And that's why it's important to like think about our strengths, what look at people we look up to or even envy, because that's like a data point in terms of what we really want. That's a data point from the compass. And then really just being strategic about reaching out to people over LinkedIn, over Twitter, getting coffee, figuring out like, what do you do? And is that really what I want to do? So that's like approaching the career finding through a more structured approach. And then another one would be thinking that asking for help is a weakness, right? I think depending on our upbringing, we might see asking for help as shameful or not good, but actually asking for help makes people want to help you, (laughs) right? And so for me, I've always asked for help, like relentlessly and sometimes bothering people, but there's a way of asking for help that makes people want to help you. And that's by being prepared, right? So instead of like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you like help me please? Which is, no, no one wants to help you, but like, okay, I have this current hypothesis about what I want to do. I already talked to three other people and now I want to talk to you because you have this experience. And so I have this hypothesis that I'm trying to test. Like that makes you sound so much more thoughtful and I'd be willing to put in like 20, 30 minutes to talk to this young professional because they're so thoughtful about it. Interesting. So strategize about how to use the help that you're asking. Precisely. Like you can't ask basically like, Bad input, bad output, right? If you ask not like well thought out questions, you're gonna get vague answers. So being really specific in your questions, and they're like, "How? What should I do to pursue my career?" It's like, "Hey, I think I really gravitate towards creating experiences for people. I don't really know what that keyword is. Like, I don't know what to call that. Do you happen to know what that might be called? Given that you've been in HR for twenty years." Right. So like that's just a much more specific question that makes it easier for the person to help you. Hmm, interesting. How about um how about from what you learned in college? You said it was a combination of business and computer science. Was there was there anything in retrospect about what you actually learned in terms of the either the content of your classes or things outside of class? I know you talked about that startup experience, but but 
tell us about how college either did or did not end up being useful for what you do now and for your career path. Mm. So I think I really connect with what you said earlier about college being a a buffet. It certainly was, and I consumed a lot of content, got exposed to a lot of interesting things. I think for me, the way I saw college was it was a planting of many seeds that didn't blossom for many years. So a lot of the things that I feel really passionate about now, which is like emotional intelligence and mindfulness and helping people develop self-awareness, I thought like I developed my interests in these areas like recently. But if I look back at my college papers, I'm like writing about Aristotle's definition of friendship, you know, things like that. And it's like, wow, I forgot all this stuff, but the seeds were planted. This is fascinating. And so I think for college, the biggest benefit was actually exposure to ideas far outside of my comfort zone. One of my favorite classes I took was the neuroscience of religion and spirituality, which was such a wild class that I took, not for credit, but just out of interest. And it's stuff like that that actually really impacted the way I think about the world now. And so the biggest value wasn't actually the the technical classes because a lot of the technical stuff I learned outside later, but it was the exposure to these fascinating ideas and worldviews that I didn't have and wasn't thinking about, especially when I was in high school. So so sometimes you hear, in the United States at least, you hear an argument about you know, the liberal arts, that it's impractical. And, you know, what are you going to do with it? And you need to study things that are far more practical. And in your case, you did. You studied computer science and you studied business. But you also talked about this class on the neuroscience of religion. I suppose neuroscience is hard science, but religion is sort of um, social science, humanities. Can you make a case to liberal arts? I think this is a difficult balance given that I most recently was building a like college alternative. And like there's basically two spectrums of thought for what a college is supposed to be or what higher education is supposed to be. On the one hand, it's supposed to be vocational training. So like skills training. And then on the other hand, it's uh, more in the liberal arts category of exposing you to different worldviews and ideals and ways of thinking. And I think the healthy and the best uh, type of education needs to involve both because a person who walks around with skills but has no sense of ethics or has no sense of what matters to them in the world are lost, essentially. They're, they're mercenaries with no direction. But then a person who has all these ideals um, and perhaps robust ways of thinking about themselves in relation to the world and have no skills, they, they're not going to make money. <laughs> and so like, to be on either extreme is very uh, dangerous uh, and not resilient. To be in between where you have uh, a solid set of skills that are employable, as well as some uh, new ways of thinking about the world that are helpful, I think is the best balance. So I wouldn't argue for a school to be either or strictly, because that's not going to be helpful given that all of us generally need to be employed, but somewhere mixing the two would be the best case. And I think that's a really interesting point. Um, just as an aside, I, you know, I'm a professor at Brandeis University and mm-hmm. I'm in the business school and we work very hard to try to create 
the undergraduate business program to be exactly that, to be highly practical and skill-based, but at the same at the same time sort of deeply connected to to the rest of the university and the social sciences, humanity and hard sciences. So I I'm you're you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, and uh, so, so with that, you know, this has been such an interesting interview. Where can people uh, who are interested learn more about your organization or about you or what you do? Absolutely. So the company I'm at right now, Tradecraft. So you can find us at tradecrafted.com, like education. So tradecrafted.com. And then personally, I'm more active on Medium. So they could find some of my past writings um, on medium.com slash, I believe, at Norman underscore Tran. So my username is Norman underscore Tran. Excellent. So in our show notes, we'll, we'll find that and we'll, we'll, um, we'll include that link. And, you know, thanks so much. This is a very thought-provoking interview. I appreciate your coming on. Thank you. It was awesome to be here. Thank you for listening to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom. If you're interested in learning more about the work that I do and helping people step outside their comfort zones and transition successfully into the professional world, please visit my website, www.andymolinsky.com. That's A-N-D-Y-M-O-L-I-N-S-K-Y.com. And also feel free to email me directly at Andy at andymolinsky.com with any feedback or ideas for guests for future podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Brandeis University's International Business School. By teaching rigorous business, finance, and economics, connecting students to best practices and immersing them in international experiences, Brandeis International Business School prepares exceptional individuals from around the globe to become principled professionals in companies and public institutions worldwide. Thank you so much for listening.